if you have a shitty day at work, it's going to affect you at home. If you have a fight with your spouse, it's going to affect you at work. It's just life. So knowing that it's just life, you know, when I'm on the road, 55, 60 flights a year, like I was a few years back, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself as much as I can because I'm grinding it out. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by BarBend.com. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to Aaron Hind, the president and co creator of Life Aid Beverage Company, probably best known as the makers of Fit Aid. You may recognize them from their sponsorship of the CrossFit Games, on the social media pages of some of the world's top fitness athletes, or in coolers and fridges in thousands of gyms and stores worldwide. But long before he became a ready-to-drink beverage tycoon, Aaron was a practicing chiropractor. His outlook on and approach to fitness changed after finding CrossFit around 2009, and in many ways, Aaron's company is a reflection on the gaps he saw in the wellness and recovery space. These days, Fit Aid is a household name in the CrossFit community, but it wasn't always that way. In this episode, Aaron shares some borderline hilarious stories about guerrilla marketing in the company's early days, including sneaking backpacks of product into events. He also talks about the early sacrifices he, his business partners, and his family made to get Life Aid off the ground, including some very lean times where the company's future and Aaron's very livelihood was shaky at best. If you're someone who's interested in the business side of fitness, or simply learning how one of the most driven people in that community thinks and approaches life, I think you'll really enjoy this recording. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barben podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barben podcast episode, please let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. All right, today on the Barben Podcast, I'm joined by Aaron Hind. He's the president and co-creator of Life Aid Bevco. You might know them a little bit better for their drinks like Fit Aid, Golf Aid, Travel Aid. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I know it's been a little little while since we talked, but it's great to hear your voice as always. David, thanks for having me on. So, you know, I was first introduced to you and your company years ago through the CrossFit space, um, but Life Aid goes way back. It's a little bit older and I think has had a longer history than a lot of people might know of. Um, so tell us a little bit about the early days of the company, how you met your business partner, and what inspired you to start a company like this in the first place. Yeah, you know, we were just came from the CrossFit Games a couple of weeks ago. I was almost getting choked up being in the middle of the stadium. Justin Berg brought me out there, and you know, we had the big branding on Sunday. We were the the presenting sponsor on Sunday, and it's been you know we've come quite a ways since uh, you know 2011, where we were sneaking uh, half a case of product into the CrossFit Games and with our backpack trying to get cans to some key individuals in there. But yeah, Ryan and I met in a. CrossFit gym here in Santa Cruz in 2009 and uh, hit it off and became buddies, started the company in 2011 and uh, have been off to the races ever since. So did you start 
off? Did you start out building a product for the CrossFit community or were you targeting, you know, a different athletic community? What was like the, the target consumer back in 2011? Well, if you, uh, I guess you could, you could say that party goers are athletic out on the dance floor, but you know, really our first concept and idea was a product called Raverade. Um, because, you know, we were going to festivals and Burning Man and, and a lot of us take, you know, certain supplements like 5-HTP and milk thistle, B vitamins when you're out having a good time for a weekend and, and dancing all night. And so that was the first concept. And then, you know, we were thinking, well, shit, if we're going to do something for, you know, the, the festival community, why don't we do something for CrossFit? Because we CrossFit too, that, you know, and so that's where FitAid came along. And it's like, well, we golf once a week back when we had free time. So why not? something for golf that's a unique sport and uh and we registered i think about 75 80 domain names uh over one evening uh over some drinks it's it's interesting too because you know the festival goer crowd you know you might go to one maybe two festivals as an as an adult every year right because you're living your life and uh, you know it's a lot of time off but when you're a crossfitter or you're an athlete you know if you can target that community with the product they're going to take it every day maybe twice a day yeah, I mean, look, we didn't get serious legs with this company until we, you know, went all in with uh, with CrossFit and FitAid. I mean, we launched three products almost back to back to back: FitAid, GolfRaid, and and PartyAid. We actually launched GolfRaid first because we thought it was the lowest hanging fruit. There was, you know, no competition. There was no product for golfers. And <clears throat> shortly after that, we launched FitAid uh, and then PartyAid. And uh, we were so distracted. I mean, it was three separate businesses. Basically, we had three separate websites, different social media. I mean, we were doing events where, you know, we'd be at a golf event with polo shirt and golf raid hats, slinging golf raid, go down to San Francisco to a, like a fire spinning festival, slinging party aid, and then do a CrossFit comp uh, with our, you know, Lulu gear on and Reeboks fit aid. So it was challenging from both a human and financial capital perspective, but you know, some, some, we got some sage advice from an advisor saying, look, you got to really choose a single target market. And even though fit aid and CrossFit wasn't generating most of our, our uh, capital or uh, our uh, funding at the time was coming primarily from golf raid, but we decided to go all in with, with fit aid and the CrossFit channel. So let's talk about those early years at the CrossFit Games. I mean, look, in, in 2019, you couldn't go anywhere in Madison without seeing LifeAid, without seeing FitAid. I mean, you guys are, are very integrated into that. But back in 2011, sneaking backpacks of the product in to try and get it to athletes. Um, you know, wh- what was that like? Tell us about kind of the logic there and how you made those very early inroads when the, in the community when a lot of companies and a lot of people who had ideas like really didn't know how to enter that market. Well, I'd like to say that we brought the fun to CrossFit. I mean, for years, CrossFit was very conservative community, still still is, um, you know, very, very strict in, in all ways, which, you know, there's a lot of benefit from that. I mean, the training regimen's superior to anything else out there. But, you know, we're all about work hard, play hard. And so we brought the party to CrossFit and, and you know, we aligned ourselves with some early influencers. Um, you know, Dan Bailey was one of the first athletes, uh, games athletes that we got on on the team. Um, influencers like Jackie Perez and Christmas Abbott very early to partner with us. Kenny Santucci and you know we remain we maintain those friendships and relationships to this day. So um, you know people like that were instrumental in 
creating some legitimacy and then also like the cool factor that I think the brand you know, carries through to today. One thing I definitely remember from, you know, years ago at the CrossFit Games interacting with you is, uh, you know, the Fit Aid house. It was kind of it was kind of famous. Like, you know, that's where the party was um, after it was going on um, or after the games or after the events. And a lot of that is just your and Orion's personal connections. It's just like brute force, you meeting people, befriending people, taking them under your wing, like bringing them into the circle. When did you start realizing that? marketing in this community it wasn't all going to happen online it wasn't just all like paid acquisition you were going to have to get out there be a face shake some hands and like and make some buddies yeah i mean i think too often people separate you know work life and personal life or home life as if they're two different things and i recognize early on that's total bullshit if you have a shitty day at work it's going to affect you at home if you have a fight with your spouse it's going to affect you at work it's just life so knowing that it's just life, you know, when I'm on the road, 55, 60 flights a year, like I was a few years back, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself as much as I can because I'm grinding it out, you know, and I'm not going to be with my family. So I'm going to forge relationships. I'm going to surround myself with the people uh, that I want to hang out with and, and that are fun and that are energy chargers, not energy drainers, people that are making emotional deposits to everybody around people that are coming from an abundance mindset, not scarcity. And so really being selective about who we're investing our time and energy into good people and good people beget other good people. And then we create that community. You've, you've been in the CrossFit community or around it for a, you know, a long time back in 2009, you were, you were doing CrossFit. I mean, it, it, that kind of makes you an early adopter, a decades, like a lifetime in CrossFit years. What surprised you most about how the community has grown and, and what impact has that had on, on you as a business person and on your business? Well, they, I mean, Cross is basically gamified working out. I mean, I've you know been going to the gym and Globo Gym my entire life. I was a personal trainer. I was a sports chiropractor for 10 years. You know, that's how I got into CrossFit is, you know, HQ and, and some of the athletes when I was in Scotts Valley for 10 years were coming into my office and getting treated. And, you know, they challenged me, well, why don't you come work out with us? I was going to, I think, World Gym at the time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, no problem. I can, I've been in all sorts of different training modalities and, and I'll never forget that first workout where, you know, I saw the other two guys in the class that looked like they were in the best shape. I'm like, all right, that's who I'm going to pace myself against. And it was like, a, I don't even, I can't remember what the workout was. I remember there was a lot of running and pull-ups and burpees and, you know, round one, I'm right with the top guys. And then round two, something just happened. My body just shuts down. <laughs> I visit the bushes. I didn't puke because I absolutely hate puking. I only puke like once a decade. But I was there and I was so on the verge of puking. And I'm like, all right, there's definitely a piece of my fitness missing here. So I think it's that, you know, it's that community that CrossFit has. It's the competitive nature that it has. It's gamification. And, you know, that's just the special, the secret sauce. And uh, utilizing multiple modalities. I mean, you can come from, you know, bodybuilding background, gymnastics, powerlifting, weightlifting, and, you know, it all works here in CrossFit. You were a sports chiropractor and that was, you know, a, a, a successful career of yours before even, before LifeAid even, even existed as a company, before it was a twinkle in your eye. How do you think that changed your perspective getting into CrossFit as, as an athlete as opposed to someone, you know, like myself, I, you know, got into it. I didn't have, I had a sports background, didn't have that medical background. I didn't have, you know, a decade or more of experience working with clients, working with patients, you know, did it create 
any hesitation for you to kind of dive into CrossFit in a big way or, or did it maybe, you know, you think help the way you entered that community or approach that training methodology? Well, I really like the, the functional movements of CrossFit. I mean, a lot of people, Oh, you're going to get injured. I, I was treating bodybuilders and professional athletes for years and years. I mean, bodybuilders have zero mobility to overgeneralize. I mean, you know, so the issues I was seeing treating crossfitters, it was usually due to lack of prehab or post-hab. You know, the, if you weren't warming up properly or you weren't cooling down properly, then you're going to get injured. And same type of issues that I was seeing with bodybuilders, a lot of rotator cuff injuries and low back injuries specifically. Those are the two areas that were getting jacked up. And now, you know, thanks to Kelly and, and Mobility Wad and Ram Wad and, and things like that, people are taking that more seriously and understand that you've got, you have to integrate that into your training. Yeah. I mean, special specialization can breed injury or it can breed weaknesses as I'm sure, as I'm sure you've seen. Yeah. A hundred percent. When did, um, when did you start realizing that life aid could become the day job, so to speak? Was there like a, a point where you were like, Oh, like maybe I, maybe I don't want to be a chiropractor anymore full time. Maybe I want to do this or maybe I can. What was the moment where you thought like, Oh, that's possible. Uh, probably way too early <laughs> when it wasn't really possible. You know, um, I do believe that to be successful in whatever you're doing, you have to burn the ships to the shore and it's impossible to serve two masters. So I knew that, you know, to make, you know, life aid a household name, I had to, um, sell my, my chiropractic practice and, and go all in. And I think I did that you know, way, like I said, way, way too early and, and really put my family in some serious jeopardy. And we had some very, very, very lean times living, you know, in a 400 square foot, um, mobile home with two kids off the grid and, you know, living on, you know, basically no income, you know, about a thousand bucks a month in, in California doesn't get you much and eating mac and cheese most days of the week with tuna, can of tuna in it. I mean, it was really lean. And, uh, you know, I, I just thank God that things worked out and, and, you know, things fell into place because we could have gone out of business at least a dozen times. We had you know, more bills than, than we had any revenue coming in. And, you know, those bills were due the next day. And then miraculously something would come through, you know, a check would come through an investor would come through a, a purchase order would come through something that just gave us a little bit more runway. And that how you know, we, we ran that game for multiple years until we finally, you know, started getting enough traction where, we're, we're having more money coming in than was going out. I think a lot of people look at the big player, like look at the big sponsors at the CrossFit games. And I'm not talking like, you know, the Reeboks of the world. I'm talking about the life aids of the world, the Romwads of the world, these companies that are kind of built around the CrossFit community. And we see them with these big sponsorships. Now these big tents putting on these awesome events. Um, but there are very few companies that were built from the ground up in the CrossFit community that I think didn't go through those lean times. And a lot of those companies didn't make it. You know, a lot of the companies you saw at the games in 2013, 14, you know, they didn't make it. Do you think that was the fact that you're still here, that Life Aid is a success? You know, what percentage would you do to attribute that to, to luck or fortune? And what percentage would you attribute that to acumen that you had to build, you know, super quickly? Well, I wouldn't say we built super quickly. I mean, we've been around for almost a decade now. So it's been a, you know, it's been a slow grind. And you're right, the majority, probably 90% of those companies aren't around if you were to rewind back to 2013. 
what is it? I mean, some of it's timing, some of it's luck, you know, some of it's just the team that we surround ourselves with and, you know, the tenacity, um, you know, we grind, we don't, we don't take no for an answer. Um, we just, you know, we, we, like you said earlier, we really focus on relationships and relationship building. And I think, you know, if you're doing the right things over time, it puts you on a certain trajectory and it's all about trajectory. So many people, especially young people focus on velocity. How quickly are things happening? That's the exact wrong approach because as you've probably seen in your life, and I know I've seen with multiple acquaintances and friends, if you're on the wrong trajectory, if you're on a negative trajectory and that gets fueled with, you know, a relative dies and left you a couple hundred grand, what happens? They just crash and burn even faster, you know, so you need to be focused on trajectory, not velocity. And And that's what we were always focused on, doing good things, creating great products, forging relationships, making emotional deposits, and just keeping on a positive trajectory over time. And over time, that started to build that momentum. And that momentum is kind of what carried us uh, through to today. It's, it's like you hear about the, the worst thing, uh, the old saying, the worst thing you can do is win the lottery. Because if you're, not set, if you're not set up for that success, then you don't have the infrastructure around it. You're going to burn through the cash. You're going to end up lower than when you started. Yeah. And we saw, we saw that, you know, in my era, you know, 15, 20 years ago in professional athletics, I mean, how many of the superstars of, of my time are completely broke? Now, fortunately that doesn't happen too often anymore because they align themselves with smart financial advisors and things that protect their assets and money. But back in the day, man, it's amazing. You know, guy making you know, millions of dollars a year, you know, broke after a few years after retirement because they just don't understand that, you know, the money, eventually does run out it does get lean you have to be prepared for the ups and the downs and you can't build a life and a business model around things always you know executing at 100 percent, and you know the money's never gonna you know get lean again so i think it was a blessing that you know i had to go through some really rough times and in uh 2009 10 11 12 and you know live uh, in a very lean fashion because you know now that things have eased up a little bit for me I have way greater perspective and respect uh, when it comes to finances. And that was never a strong suit for me. I want to get into uh, in the the back half of this podcast, I want to get into your perspective on, on recovery and how performance has evolved in CrossFit over the years. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you at this point, what is your maybe most memorable or craziest CrossFit games experience? Uh, I know that you, um, spend a lot of time with a lot of very interesting people. They like to get up to some good things. They like to get up to some, uh, some situations that can sometimes get a little, a little dicey in, uh, LA and now Madison. So is there like a, a moment that sticks out to you from the CrossFit games? You're like, man, I'm never going to forget this. I don't know if I could call anyone out here, although <laughs> I could. And there's probably some stories that, that wouldn't be rated for this podcast. I think one of my most memorable moments was, it was, we were still in LA. We were throwing the official after party and we had an eighties band and it was an eighties theme. It was the first time we did a theme party and we're like, how's this going to turn out? It like 75% of the people that showed up, showed up in the craziest eighties outfit. The eighties band was jamming. And, uh, um, we had a couple of MTV stars that uh, Johnny bananas was there and, and Kenny and a bunch of games athletes. I just remember everyone just jumping up and down to like some 80 songs. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> we brought the fun. So it's a good time. But, uh, that, that's probably the PG version of it. You got, you look around and you're, and you're looking at some of the games athletes. Um, cause I remember that after party and you look around and you think like, I, I don't think any of these athletes, I don't think many of them were alive in the eighties at a certain point. 
Yeah, that's right. They probably listened to it through their uh, through their parents' uh, radios and car stereos. <laughs> um, so to transition the conversation a little bit, I mean. Life Aid is, was born out of, uh, this idea that athletes could, you know, there are products that could help athlete, athletic recovery. And you mentioned some other companies that are doing that. Mobility Wad, ROMWAD, this ecosystem that's been built up around not only ha- helping athletes perform better, but recover better. You know, the other 23 hours of the day or 22 hours of the day, they're not in the gym. What do you think a lot of athletes, specifically in the CrossFit community, um, might still get wrong about recovery? Look, I think you gotta, I think as an athlete, you can't just take a one size fits all approach and go, okay, yeah, this is, you know, I'm going to do this X, Y, and Z. You need to figure out what works for your body. You know, someone might go to a chiropractor and go, oh, that didn't work for me. It's like, well, that's like going to a dentist and saying, well, that, you know, that wasn't the right fit. So dentistry doesn't work. No, there's chiropractor out there that can help you and seriously help you and, and, you know, ways with your biomechanics and, and mobility, but you got to find the right person that's doing the right techniques in the right order specifically for you. So the more you can be in tune with your body and dial it in, for whether it's nutrition, whether it's mobility, whether it's prehab, post-hab, chiropractic, PT, you know, pain management, whatever it is, make it specific for you because every body is unique. Every movement pattern is unique. Old injuries are unique to you. And genetics are unique. And so you need to have a very specific um, uh, regimen or protocol that works best for you and your body and not just say, oh, well, Rich does this or Matt does this and therefore I'm going to do it the same way they do. No, no, no. They're doing what's best for their body. You need to do what's best for you. And they've also built that support system over time. I mean, one reason we see Rich Froning and, you know, it seems like he was, you know, getting better every year. Matt Fraser, Tia Claire Toomey. It's like they're getting better and stronger every year, but they're fine tuning not only the techniques they have for recovery and training, but their support system. Their coaches are getting smarter about what those individual athletes need. Yeah, I've become, you know, friends with Henshaw over the last couple of years. And the, well, the conversations we have are amazing. I mean, the, the attention to detail that he is aware of and teaching, uh, you know, his, his clients is just amazing. It, it, it's like next level stuff. I mean, I don't know how, um, as long as he's not injured, anyone can catch up with Matt because I know his, some of his coaches and the detail that they're putting into the training. I'm like, this is some next level shit. I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, phenomenal how the sport has evolved and the coaches have evolved. And when you have perspective on, on these athletes, it's not surprising that success begets success. If you kind of work your way to the top, the resources open up. Coaches want to work with you. You have, you have the income from winning these competitions from the sponsorships that allows you to train full time. Um, that gap, seems like it's almost growing for those very elite athletes who can, who can build the living around this. And those who are trying to get to the top, they might not even have the resources to catch up right now. It seems really, that's a great perspective and a great point. I mean, you're right. Like Jacob Hepner just quit his job. I mean, he's working full time, top 10 games athletes. How many people in the top 10 are working full time, you know, zero, like, so if you have the resources and ability to do this full time and access to the best coaches, you're going to continue to excel. So it creates that bigger and bigger gap. And, you know, I think that's why we continue to see 
the top guys without too many surprises continue to be the top guys and the top gals is top gals because that disparity exists and will continue to exist for those that can put their full-time effort and not have to have a quote-unquote day job and have the sponsorship dollars and and uh, and coaching and nutrition all you know given to them. And it's not to take anything away. I don't mean to take anything away from what those athletes, the work they're putting in, right? I mean, it, 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 it's a full-time job and they're putting in every hour, every minute of their day is optimized for performance or recovery. So it's not like the coaches aren't going to do the work for you. In fact, they're going to give you more work to do. They're going to give you more to work on. It's, um, it's, it's taxing. And, and one thing I have the utmost respect for, for the mats and the tias of the world to stay at the top, um, you have to, you know, I hope they get to enjoy that success, but you got to stay hungry and it doesn't get any easier. Right. And that door wouldn't even be open if they weren't putting in the work. So that's, you know, that's assumed. It's like when people talk about, oh, so-and-so got popped for steroids in this sport or that sport. I go, look, they might be juicing, but they still put in the work. Like, you know, you don't hit the home runs Barry Bonds did without putting in the work. Yeah. He might've had some help from the special sauce and, you know, that type of thing has been prevalent through all type of sports. Lance Armstrong, same thing. I mean, you look at any great athlete who's been caught, you know, uh, cheating, uh, they still put in the work, you know, the, the steroids don't do the work for you. You have access to, and spend a lot of time with these top athletes and for the average fan, our window into them, it's like one or two competitions a year and it's social media. Not everything. You don't see everything on camera. You don't see everything yeah. even behind the scenes uh, when those documentaries come out. And you definitely don't see everything on social media as far as recovery and training. What are some things – you don't have to name names. You think these top athletes are doing um, to optimize their recovery, to optimize their training that you might not – that the average fan might not be aware of? Well, first of all, I mean, if you know, an average fan out there, you got to realize dudes are, you know, Matt is just a dude. Rich is just a dude. Hefner is just a dude. Tia is just a chick. Like Sarah's just a chick. Like they're no different than us. You know, they're all just dudes and chicks just trying to do the best that they can. They realize that they're really good at this thing called CrossFit. So, you, you know, the more you put people up on a pedestal, the, you know, the more they can you know, set up for disappointment. Now, that being said, there's some great quality people in this sport that really are genuinely awesome human beings. I think the biggest differentiator is not only the detail to training. I mean, that's a given and, and the hours they put in. I mean, a lot of these guys and girls are, are training, like, you know, three, four, five hours a day, but it's really the attention to nutrition. You know, I think it's so easy in CrossFit because of the modality of CrossFit. All the focus is on, well, how much can you snatch or what's your, you know, your back squat PR? Well, that's the big aspect. Yeah, you got to put in the time in the gym. But nutrition, you know, is is where you can really fine tune and dial it in. And I think, you know, Matt even talks about this, that, you know, thank God I got um, second place, whatever year that was, because without, you know, I was eating shitty and without that, that was a wake up call that I really needed to pay attention to my nutrition. So I think that's a big differentiator is just, you know, hyper focus on what is, what they're putting in their body and what they're not putting in their body at the same time. CrossFit comes on the scene, gets popularized, the CrossFit games, you know, become this runaway phenomenon nutrition uh, becomes something that athletes start paying attention to a little later on. And it's something that, you know, an ecosystem was built around that you 
food services, uh, companies like yours providing, you know, supplementary nutritional products, things like that. Then you had the wave of uh, mobility companies that are still providing a lot of these services for athletes, the elite athletes and the athletes at home, like you and me, um, just trying to move a little bit better. What do you think is the next wave of, you know, be it recovery or performance services and products that you think the community is going to be embracing? Mental brain. I look at, um, you know, Noah did great this year and Noah's headspace, uh, just from looking at him and knowing him for years was better than it's ever been. You know, Sarah, you know, didn't make the, the cut. Um, and you know, I, I think, you know, she can work on, on her headspace. So I think working, you know, in between the years, these athletes are within one degree of each other. I mean, you look at like, you know, uh, gold medal at the Olympics versus, you know, no medal at all. We're talking 10th of a second, 10ths of a second, right? So athletically, any of them can compete uh, at any given day, depending on, you know, how their body's feeling and how they kind of prepped up for it. But the mental aspect, you know, how mentally prepared for, for this competition are you? Um, how mentally prepared are you for adversity or for things not quite going your way? How do you bounce back from that? That's going to be the next wave of uh, CrossFit evolution. Gotcha. All right. I want to get into some, um, a little bit more rapid fire though. Take, take the time you want to, uh, to answer them for folks to learn a little bit more about Aaron Hind. Um, you know, what's your, what's your secret talent or something that, uh, you're good at that people might not know about? I'm really good at the, at looking at, things that are very impressive in life in different businesses, what is working well for them and how can I take that and apply that to what we're doing in completely unrelated fields. All right. Okay. What's your, uh, what's your pet peeve or something that annoys you most could be in business, could be in life, could be in athletics. I think it's just like grind your gears. Two things. I, I, I absolutely hate it when people litter, you know, I'm not an enviro, but it's just living in Santa Cruz is beautiful place. I, you know, it just drives me insane. And then the second thing, more business related or life related, is that I do not allow anyone on my team to say no problem. Like, oh, thank you so much. You really, you know, you thanks for all your help. Oh, no problem. The reason is, the when you're helping somebody, you're making an emotional deposit, and they're putting you on a pedestal by saying thank you, Aaron. You know, you were the only one that helped show up to, to help me move this weekend. When I say no problem, I'm cutting that uh, down, and I'm. Um, um, minimizing, you know, their, uh, their gratitude that they're expressing towards me. And it's immediately making an emotional withdrawal. So I strike that from vocabulary. It's, it's really interesting. Are, are there any other, you think, you know, verbal tics or colloquialisms or things we just might do in our everyday lives that cut down that gratitude? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And if you're aware of it and you start paying attention to it, then you can pick up, you know, on those uh, cues, anything from, you know, how you shake someone's hand, you know, eye contact, um, listen, actual active listening versus just preparing to respond. I mean, there's so many things in nonverbal communication that you could be making uh, a real common one being on your phone, right. Or looking at texts when you are, uh, when you're engaging in a conversation with somebody. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, this is more important than, you know, what I'm talking with you to you about. Who is the person in the CrossFit community you've learned the most from? 
Hmm. Who have I learned the most from? Or it could be just one person and something that really sticks out to you is like this person did this or said this and it, it just taught me something that that just changed the way I approached that issue like for the rest of time. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mentioned Henshaw before for just, you know, his insight to training. Um, Greg Glassman for, you know, his don't give a fuck attitude and like this is the way it's going to be and how things tend to work out according to his vision. Um, I, I mean, I look at, you know, Jackie Perez and Christmas for, hey, you don't have to be a top level games athlete to make a living in the space. Um, you know, uh, someone like Noah who just puts in the work and is a, just a kind individual and, you know, and, and shows that that hard work over time pays off and working on your weaknesses. I mean, I learned things from, I try to learn something from everybody in the space. You know, I, I don't think there's one thing that particularly stands out though. Awesome. Aaron, where can folks uh, keep up with you personally uh, on social media? And I, I do want to ask at the same time about the hindsight newsletter, where can folks find out more about that? Yeah, hindsight on our website, lifeaidbevco.com. For me personally, I'm most active on Instagram at Aaron Hind, A-A-Ron Hind, H-I-N-D-E. Awesome. Well, Aaron, I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. And I hope that we uh, get to speak again in the near future. All right, brother. Appreciate it.